welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Hey team, this week we're going to be talking about the upcoming change to daylight saving time in the U.S. But don't worry, if you're not in one of those places experiencing the time switch, there's still going to be a lot of great stuff that we cover in this episode. Our natural sleeping and waking times are controlled by our circadian rhythm, and so we're going to be discussing that in some detail as well as what we can do to get ready for the time change so that it doesn't hit us like a ton of bricks. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash 133. Today's podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. AG1 has been part of my morning routine for years. I started taking it because I was looking for a better way to hit all those nutritional needs that I might have throughout the day. While getting a variety of foods is important for my diet, with my ADHD, it can be hard for me to remember to get everything in or even to eat in general sometimes. And with one scoop of AG1, I'm getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help me start my day right. What sells me the most is just how easy it is. I can easily just pop a scoop in some water, and then I'm good to go. And that really works with my executive dysfunction. AG1 mixes in easily, and so I'm not stuck looking for something to mix it with. I just stick it in the bottle and shake it a few times. I also like to have mine chilled, so I pop it in the fridge for a little bit, and it's good to go. Right now, it's a time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash ADHD. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash ADHD to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. All right, keep on listening to find out how we can make our internal clocks match our external ones. Changing our clocks for daylight savings time is something that we do twice a year here in the United States to try and help people get the most out of their days. And of course, we still have the same amount of daylight during the day, but many people really value having those extra hours of sunlight in the afternoon. And the U.S. isn't the only place that observes these clock changes. About 70 countries worldwide have similar clock changes, however, with their own starts and stops to the tradition. There is some good evidence to support the adoption of the time change. Some studies have found that DST would lower car accident rates due to the increased light of when people are out driving, although there are some conflicting studies about this with some pointing to an increase in the fatal car accidents, uh, especially right after the time change. But we also see that having more light in the afternoon encourages people to be outside more. Personally, I'm going to be one of those people since the Ultimate Frisbee team I'm looking to play with only starts practice once the clocks change and we have that extra time in the afternoon to actually be out and do stuff. Of course, changing the clocks does have a number of negatives associated with it as well, especially right after those changes when our bodies haven't adjusted to the time change yet. Our sleeping patterns are determined by our circadian rhythm, and that doesn't really care what the clock says. It's what we've been doing already. Even a single hour of disruption to our circadian rhythm can greatly impact our health. 
One study found that following the DST chime change that we see a 10% increase in heart attacks on that following Monday and Tuesday. And this change in circadian rhythm has a huge effect on our energy levels throughout the day. For many of us with ADHD, we already have a great deal of trouble with our sleep, so this disruption can be especially severe for us. Now, just as a side note before we get into what we should be doing, we did see some headway in the U.S. in our policy on DST with the Senate approving a bill that would make daylight saving time permanent year-round. However, that was passed last year and hasn't been to the House yet, so I wouldn't hold my breath on that getting any new traction anytime soon. So what we want to look at now is how are we going to get ready for this change, because it's coming regardless of what we do. And I do also want to point out here that we can use these same ideas for things beyond the daylight saving switch. If we're changing jobs, we may need to adjust our schedules, or if we're just traveling, we are also going to want to adjust to those different time zones if we're going to be spending an extended period of time there. The most straightforward thing we can do is start working on shifting our schedules before the time change happens. For the upcoming change in the U.S., we are going to be springing forward. Well, that that metaphor has always left me a little unsure of exactly what's going to be happening. In fact, even for this episode, I spent quite a bit of time trying to work out precisely what was going to be happening with the clocks, because I wasn't entirely sure. In the U.S., the time change occurs at 2 a.m. on March 12th, and as a note, this is when daylight saving time begins, and then we'll be going back to standard time in November. And what we're doing is we're moving our clocks forward an hour, essentially losing that hour. This means that when the clocks hit 2 a.m. that Sunday morning, they're going to just go straight to 3 a.m. And what this means practically for us is that if we're typically going to wake up at 7 a.m., when our alarm goes off, it's going to feel like it's 6 a.m. And I want to be clear, I'm mostly spelling this out for my own benefit. I'm 37 and I still get confused by this every year. Now, the importance of how this works is that we can use this information to try and work on shifting our internal clocks forward. So by the time that the shift happens and we're waking up at 7 a.m., our bodies have already adjusted. And so it does feel like 7 a.m. to us. And we're going to want to do the same time adjustment for when we're looking at when we want to set our bedtimes. So if we were typically going to bed at 11 p.m., then we want to work towards shifting that bedtime towards 10 p.m. And the idea here is that we can work on making this a more gradual shift from the stark hour difference that we get on the Sunday morning of the DST switch. And the thing is, we're going to need that period of adjustment either way. Just because the clocks change doesn't mean that our bodies are going to follow along happily. By gradually doing it ahead of time, we get to ease our way into the change, and we get to do it on our own terms. Now, with that said, I know with ADHD, bedtime is already a struggle for many of us. The idea that we're just going to go to bed early seems like it might be aspirational at best. So I'm also going to suggest that we work on something perhaps even more gross, which is focusing on waking up earlier. Yeah, I knew you weren't going to like it. I mean, I don't like it either. But I do know that I have far better control over when my alarm goes off for waking up than I do for when I'm going to actually fall asleep. Of course, this doesn't mean we should entirely drop the idea of heading to bed earlier. Over the last few years, I've actually been able to keep a fairly consistent bedtime. And while it isn't always easy, there are things that are helpful for making this happen. The first is having a consistent bedtime routine in how I'm getting ready for bed. But a key to this as well is that I'm not waiting for myself to get tired to start this routine. Yes, we absolutely should be going to bed tired. 
getting in bed when we're not ready to sleep is not a good way for us to try and fall asleep earlier. I've spent too many nights just staring at the ceiling wishing I could fall asleep to believe that. But the bedtime routine itself is what helps me get ready to go to sleep, and that routine is what is going to help me get into a place where I am ready, where I am sleepy, and ready to fall asleep. So my bedtime routine isn't anything fancy. It starts with me taking my dogs out one last time and checking that all the lights are off and heading upstairs for the rest of my evening. Once I'm upstairs and I've checked on my kids, it's then doing all the things that are going to get me ready for sleep. The first of which is setting my phone down for the evening. Now, we could talk about blue light and its potential effects on sleep here, but the bigger key to this is that our devices tend to get us amped up. Social media in particular is the biggest offender here, and a big part of that comes from the algorithm trying to keep us engaged. Nice, calm, sleepy stuff isn't going to get you to stay on the platforms, and I can't actually think of any time where I saw something online before bed and went, well, now that I've read that, I'm ready to go to sleep. So we want to try and set our devices down so that we're not amping ourselves up. Of course, some people use podcasts and other sounds from their phones to get to sleep, so they're going to need to still keep them close by. And if that's the case for you, I'm just going to encourage you to make sure you're setting yourself up for success and staying off the things that are going to keep you engaged while using them in the evening. If social media is just too tempting, then you can look into apps like Freedom that can help you block those things in the evening. Now, with my phone down, it's all about getting myself comfortable for bed. Personally, I have sensory issues and I cannot fall asleep without taking a quick shower. Then I'll brush my teeth, use the bathroom, and get in pajamas. Once I'm in bed, I'll do a quick journal entry that is literally just a sentence or two, summing up my day, and then I'll get out my Kindle and do some reading until I'm ready to actually fall asleep. On a typical night, I'm hoping to get this process started from 9.30 to 10, and then be asleep by 10.30 or 11. This means, as I'm working to shift my schedule back for the time change, that what I'm going to want to do is work on moving the start of this process back from 9.30 to, say, 9.15 and then 9 o'clock, and eventually 8.30. And I can do this process either over the course of a couple of weeks or just a few days, depending on how much time I have to get ready for that shift. The point being that I want to space this out more than the single day that I would have with the normal DST switch. Now, that's how we can work on shifting our schedule for getting to bed, there are also a lot of things we can do once we're up in the morning that can be beneficial for shifting our circadian rhythms as well. Just setting our alarm clocks earlier won't do much alone to help get us shifted. So our first priority here is going to be getting morning light into our eyes. Light exposure is one of the most powerful factors in our circadian rhythms. Now, we might feel like just turning on all the lights in our kitchen in the morning is going to be enough, but even on cloudy days, the outside sky is just going to have so much of a stronger effect. Just 15 to 30 minutes of light in the morning can have a significant effect on your sleep cycle. And again, this is important to be outside for because we're not going to be getting the same effect from being inside, even if we're next to a window. If you can't get outside, there are some options for indoor lights that can provide some of the same effects as getting that outside light. What we're looking for when we're looking at these lamps are things that provide a high number of lumens or a good amount of lux. Uh, lumens are just the measure of the total amount of light emitted from a light source, and lux is just how much light is falling on a surface. When we're outdoors, we're going to be getting roughly 1,000 to 100,000 lux, and of course you're not going to get it on that higher range, but if you can get a good number, then they're going to be far more effective. 
And as a note here, these lights are not going to be as effective as the outdoor exposure to daylight, even on cloudy days. But I totally understand that not everyone's going to be easily able to get outside. So these lights can be a great alternative, albeit a somewhat expensive one, depending on what you're buying. Along with light exposure, another good method of adjusting your circadian rhythm is to get regular exercise. If you can swing it, a quick walk in the morning would be an excellent way to get both your light exposure and some easy movement. Additionally, you're going to want to think about your alcohol and caffeine consumption in the evening. While some of us with ADHD find that we can easily sleep with caffeine in our systems, I haven't seen any data that supports us getting better sleep from that. While caffeine is typically thought to be only affecting how easily we can go to sleep, many studies have pointed to it also decreasing the quality of your sleep as well. Alcohol has a similar issue with the lower sleep quality, and while we're trying to adjust our schedules, it's best to just try and avoid it altogether. But if you do decide to imbibe, then you're going to want to limit your intake and try to have your last drink at least a few hours before bedtime at least. Along with these factors, the way we are feeding ourselves can also affect the way our circadian clock is operating. While this is a fairly complex topic, when we're just looking for small adjustments for ourselves, what we want to focus on is making sure that we're adjusting our meal times with everything else we're doing during the day. And we're also making sure that we're not snacking too close to bedtime. Finally, we also have the option of using melatonin, which is a natural hormone found in our bodies that promotes sleepiness, but is also a fairly easy supplement to get. Melatonin is often used by people hoping to treat their sleep woes, but as a natural hormone, it is one of our body's ways of signaling when it's time for us to fall asleep. As such, it can be incredibly useful when we want to work on shifting our circadian rhythms. One of the most important factors when considering melatonin is the dosage. Melatonin is often sold of ranges of 1 to 10 milligrams. However, most studies on melatonin are looking at it in the 3 milligram range, which is still quite high considering what our body would naturally be releasing. It's a much lower range. Anyways, an additional consideration here is that in a 2017 study of 31 melatonin supplements, they found that they had a range of 83% lower to 478% higher of the supplement over what was stated on the label. That's quite the range, and what that means is if you were to buy that 3 milligram supplement, the range of what you might actually be getting in the supplement would be around 2.5 milligrams to over 14, and you just wouldn't know what you're getting. The takeaway here being that we need to be cautious of which supplements we're investing in and making sure that they've been certified by the Consumer Lab or the United States uh, Pharmacopoeia. Additionally, melatonin can have interactions with other medications, so be sure to consider everything before taking anything new. As a final note here, switching your circadian rhythm is hard, and we're going to have some pains in doing this, regardless if we do it slowly or quickly. Although I feel like when we're taking the time to get ourselves to adjust over the week or two before the daylight saving switch, we're going to get a lot more benefit and we're not going to have quite as much of a crash once we have our new time. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One, when we're preparing for an upcoming time change like daylight saving time, we can start moving our wake and sleep times gradually to match up with the upcoming change. Two, while it can be tough to adjust our bedtime, 
If we focus on setting a strong bedtime routine, we can use that to help get us sleepy and work on adjusting when we're starting to get ready for bed instead of just when we want to fall asleep. Three, our circadian rhythm dictates our sleep cycle and energy throughout the day. We can influence it with things like morning sunlight, exercise, when we're eating, and in some cases, melatonin. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can leave me a message over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. You can also reach me on Twitter at hackingyouradhd. And I've also just launched a TikTok channel that you can find by searching for Hacking Your ADHD. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can find those on the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to share episodes with someone you think would get something out of it. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send your bestie the link with something like, hey, I love this episode of Hacking Your ADHD. I bet you'd get a lot out of it too. Or you can support the show through my Patreon at hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. Sign up for the 2, 5, 10, 25, or even $50 a month level and get some great perks like monthly bonus content or early access to upcoming episodes. That's hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. And be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out Eric Tiver's show, ADHD Rewired. For those of you with kids, be sure to check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And even if you don't have kids, his show is still a great resource for ADHD management. If you're interested in exploring issues of race and diversity in ADHD, be sure to check out ADHD Diversified with MJ. I also do a live Q&A with all the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network on the second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to sign up, just go to ADHDRewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. What did the wall clock do after it was adjusted for daylight saving? It just hung around. <laughs>